This is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Feels so official when Big Man says our uh, names. That was fun. Oh, man, the first time I heard it, it was over the moon. Yeah. Shocked you a little bit because it's so unexpected. I didn't even get that treatment the first time I worked here. But, uh, yes, this is uh, Sportsnet Today. I'm Peter Klein. He is Aaron Vickers. This is your post-Blue Jay disaster loss edition of the program as Toronto falls a bunch to one against the Baltimore Orioles to wrap up a four-game set that the Blue Jays absolutely had to have and absolutely didn't have. Uh, Coming up in the next hour and 46 minutes, we will be chatting with Tony Ferrari about prospects and Jillian McKenzie uh, as the Calgary Flames haven't made a move yet. But he looks at who they might be making a rather substantial one with. Uh, we'll get to that conversation in the five o'clock hour. A little bit of a teaser there. Yeah. See? Huh? Look at that. You just cast the line yeah. out there, reel them in. Yeah. Veteran. That's why they call you prime time. Forty minutes on who they should trade for. Uh, who they should trade Dan Vladar for is coming up. No. 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 <laughs> no. No. Some big names. Uh, so we're going to be getting into that. Uh, but yes, that this is kind of a post Blue Jays edition. Following a loss to the Baltimore Orioles, uh, Toronto now seven and a half games back, and you were looking at it before. Uh, I think the the phrase of this series for Toronto could be considered uh, offensive futility. I oh, think would be a great you way to... stole it. I oh, had futile sorry. in my mind. Oh, okay. That's how simpatico we are yeah, right now. We are one. But yes. you mentioned it. They dropped three or four to the Orioles, fall seven and a half back of Baltimore in the AL East. Four game series. Game one, five hits. Game two, five hits. Game three, three hits. Game four, four hits. So I did a little quick math here. That's 17 hits in four games. Baltimore had 15 today in their win. So yeah, that's fine. not ideal. No, no, not great. That's not like I I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and be the uh, the Blue Jays analyst here. But something tells me you need more than 17 hits in four games if you want to win more than one. Outscored 24 to 10 in the series uh, and dropped to two and eight against Baltimore this year. Hey, their hits to runs ratio is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. When they're getting guys on, they're getting them in. Uh, they're just not getting them on. And I thought watching this game, the first inning was a perfect summary of everything that has gone on with the Blue Jays when they've struggled this year. Uh, Merrifield gets on. Brandon Belt gets uh, gets on as well. By the way, Merrifield gets a hit. They don't get another hit till I think the sixth. 15 straight batters retired. Yeah. Not after, ideal. After you, you get the first two batters of the ball game on and everyone gets set down, Vlad comes up, first pitch swinging. Now, it was a pitch. It wasn't middle-middle, but it was middle around the knees. But first pitch swinging and he golfs it. Then Springer's up, the count's two and one, and he whiffs terribly at a breaking ball that was never a strike. And then he goes down chasing. And you go from first and second, nobody out, Facing Jack Flaherty, who's making his debut for the Orioles after being traded to Baltimore at a very uneventful trade deadline. You have the pressure on, and you are two big hitters, who we said yesterday are the guys who need to step up with Bo Bichette on the the 10-day IL. Nothing. Inning ends. Baltimore comes up next inning. They score two. And it just felt from that point on, the Blue Jays had nothing. And that's exactly what's happened all season long with this team, it feels like. Yeah, there wasn't a lot in the way of you know, putting pressure on the defense, you know, banging up pitchers, getting them deep into pitch count, so on and so forth. And you mentioned Springer and Guerrero. Those are the guys, Chapman. Those are the guys that you need when Bichette's out. Those are the guys you need when you didn't get a big bat at the trade deadline, like everybody had hoped and sort of predicted. You need some internal 
growth in terms of short-term production at the plate, Blue Jays didn't get it. And again, they didn't get it all series. And you got to hope that with where they're at in the uh, wildcard chase, that they find it soon because they've got some pretty key games coming up and they've got some teams behind them that are going to put a chase on. And here we are, yeah. we're in August now. Like you gotta, you gotta do something to protect your position. And as a wildcard holder, we didn't really see that in this series for the Toronto Blue Jays. And now I would say wildcard needs to be the, not that if they, they had a win in this game, Oh, well look out Baltimore Orioles. Here come the Blue Jays. But I think coming into the series, when you, you look at where Toronto was, if they were the ones taking three out of four, then you could maybe look at this and say, hey, this could be a team that could compete for top spot in the division. That feels done now, right? Like something, they could go on a magical run. There's still 60 some odd games left, but odds are the the division is now out of reach for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I would think so. As you mentioned, seven and a half back, their Blue Jays are sitting at 110 games. So theoretically, no, but they certainly didn't do anything to put pressure on the Orioles. And I don't no. think the Orioles are necessarily... I mean, the Orioles might be concerned with Tampa, who's, who are only two games back, but at seven and a half back after taking three of four, you can probably just focus on the team directly behind you and, and not necessarily, at least for the next month or so, worry about the Toronto Blue Jays because, again, Toronto had the opportunity. Yeah, You mentioned it, if they go three and four or four and oh in this series, not only are they looking much better in the wild card chase, but again, they're putting pressure on the top spot in the AL East. Here we are, 15 yeah. hits in four games. 17 hits in four games, sorry. Baltimore had 15 today. Today. And like it's just, it's so frustrating. You look at things right now. Boston's lost four of their last five. If the Blue Jays do anything in this series, they have a chance to not exhale. Because again, long season and baseball's weird. But this just felt like a missed opportunity. Now they go into Fenway to play a Boston team that they have beaten exactly zero times this season. Yep. I just, and I, I don't, like I, it's the burden of expectations. Because this team is still 10 games above 500. They are 60 and 50. They would be four and a half games up for first place in the Central Division. They would be, well, not in the American League East. They'd be getting the tar kicked out of them. But they'd be leading the National League Central as well. And they'd be half a game out of first place in the National League West. Like, they, they, are, they are a good baseball team that for the majority of the season has played pretty good baseball. But when it's bad... It's really bad. Well, and yeah, you're right with the AL East. The worst team in the division is the New York Yankees, and they're four games above 500. Yeah. So they Yankees not... would also be leading the American League Central right now. Yeah. So you're in that position. Instead, here you are holding on to the last wildcard spot. You're two games up on Boston, who you mentioned they'll face right away. Three up on the Yankees. Three up on Seattle. Three and a half on the LA Angels. There's a lot of teams within quite close proximity to you to the point where you're not allowed to get comfortable. Yeah. And you just drop three or four in a situation where you could have put the heat on the team leading your division. Yeah. And uh, th this text here from, uh, oh, I, I see what we're doing here. It was a, a jokey one, but it, it makes sense still. Blue Jays best players need to be their best players. That's like, we, we talked yesterday about the, the Blue Jays underwhelming trade deadline and going out and getting difference makers. Uh, th there weren't many that were traded, but you, you, I still felt that they could have made a move to get a couple of guys who just help round out the roster and make things a couple percent better. But in the long run, this team is not going to go where Whit Merrifield and Brandon Belt take them. They're going to go where Vlad Guerrero Jr. and George Springer take them. And uh, in this game, that took them to a very speedy loss at the hands of the Baltimore wow. Orioles. Not even sugarcoating it, eh? It just, it, at no point, aside from that first inning, after that first inning, at no point did it feel like the Blue Jays were in this game. 
Gosman wasn't his sharpest, but he battled through four and a third, I think, or four and two thirds. Um, only gave up a couple of runs, but it just, it didn't feel. So you weren't even buying it in the bottom of the six when they score the run and it's three, one and they're within <laughs> two and they had no, I, I one more hit and I would have been. And okay. I know that that's like a very nitpicky line in the sand to draw, but at, at some point there is a line there and it, it just, it wasn't. Well, in all fairness, they, they gave you no incentive to believe through the first five innings. Yeah. They Particularly had just had when they had that first inning that resulted in absolutely nothing. Yeah. They had just had 15 in a row set down. I wasn't going to go, Oh, well, they've just been saving it. Here they come. Law of uh, averages. They're due <laughs> yeah, at some point. Yeah, but here, exactly. let, let me go there. Cause you brought the, uh, you brought the trade deadline up and you wish you would have saw them something. So, so say they go out and get a big bat and they go, what? One in 14, one for one for 15 instead of all for 15. And that's, <laughs> stretch like unless you're hitting a dinger there it's still futile yeah now and again maybe you get two at bats out of that guy and he goes mm-hmm. you, know, you get two for 15 in that stretch and maybe you're competitive for yeah. a little bit but you're right it never felt in this game like the blue jays were on the cusp of putting a run together a stretch together a couple innings together where suddenly they're not behind they're even they're able to even up the game or get within one run there was just no sense of confidence that this was going to get done today yeah and to me it's not the the 0 for 15 stretch because like every team has those in in games sometimes like that that's going to to happen but it's the two for 29 with runners in scoring position it like that's one where if you make it four for 29 all that's a couple extra runs and all of a sudden some games look a little bit different right so that's those are the times where you kind of wish you had a little bit more where instead of a like oh we're pinch hitting Santiago Espinal here it would be nicer if it was a Josh Bell or a Jake Berger or someone along those lines uh instead of that Teoscar Hernandez Teoscar Hernandez yes yeah a noted bench star Teoscar (laughs) Hernandez I still don't know where he was going to fit on this team but um he, he certainly would have fit somewhere given that again the Jays couldn't do anything and continue to struggle now against the American League it is eight and 23 in your division this year for the Blue Jays in the American League East. Which just speaks to the fact that the last place team is still four games above 500 in the Yankees. Like, if you, it's actually pretty incredible that the Jays aren't finding themselves fifth with a record like that in their own division, just yeah. because, like, these are the teams that you need to beat if you want to be tops in the AL East. Yeah. And here they are. And you mentioned they haven't beat, they haven't beat Boston at all this year. No. <laughs> Swept twice. Yep. Three games and four games. Imagine how different the division looks. Never mind the wild card, but how different the division looks if the Jays are able to even up that by four or five wins, which isn't an astronaut. You can always play the what if game, and we did it with the Calgary Flames all year long, where it's like, oh, if they didn't lose in overtime every Mm -hmm. single game, where would they be? But just imagine three or four or five more wins for the Jays in division. Maybe squeeze one here against Baltimore. Yeah. Maybe, they, again, two and two is a lot different than one and three. But, man, they could be in a lot better position if they took care of their intra-division games. Yeah, did, never, did I use intra, right? I think you did. I've never understood the phrasing of that because yeah. inter-division feels like that's what it should be, but I think it is inter-division. But inter-league right. play. But inter, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's two different leagues. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, thank goodness for the newly somewhat more balanced schedule because if this was the Blue Jays yes. facing all these teams 19 times, Toronto would be 15 games below 500. But it's it's like last year. I don't know. We have to hit a break here in a sec. But it's like last year where the Blue Jays and Red Sox were separated by one game in games where they didn't play each other, Toronto went 16 and three against the Red Sox. And that was the difference between the two teams all year long. Right. It's just like, sometimes you're going to, to have those things. Hopefully this evens out, but Holy cow. Is it frustrating from a blue Jays 
perspective. We are coming to you today from the DL Basement Systems downtown studio for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. Taylor said she had at least one. I heard that. I um, was an avid listener yesterday. Yeah, they were expertly dealt with. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. We go from one struggling, very frustrating franchise to another as we have the Stamps Report coming up next. The Calgary Stampeders falling in what was a winnable game last weekend. They have four less than winnable games coming up next. How are they getting ready to handle this week's upcoming matchup? We will find out with the Stamps Report next here on Sportsnet Today. He's Aaron Vickers. I'm Peter Klein. And this is Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Boy, this first hour just flying by. <laughs> Zipping right by. Yeah. And I just want you to know they just put my name first because it goes alphabetical by first name. Oh, okay. So don't feel slighted by that in, That's the, fine. in the least bit. Yeah. I'm only hurt a little bit. Like I said, I'm just happy to be here with the, the, the whole naming thing. I mean, it is a treat. And we don't even have to intro as XDH. We don't have to mention DH. We can just go Peter yeah. Kleiner and Vickers. Yeah. Last we're, time we were together. We, we had to say that a lot. We had to say it a lot. <laughs> now, now, now we don't. Now we're just two guys. I, I was lost for a second. I was like, what is XDH as an acronym? Is that, oh, I get it. X, oh, you thought e, XDH. E, yeah, like XDH. Like, is this a Twitter thing that I'm... But it's like EX space. Daily Hive. And, uh, and now that we've lost everybody, <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back on the rails. All right. Back on the rails. That's what I do best. Uh, still to come on the show in the five o'clock hour, I will have Tony Ferrari helping us break down some Flames prospects and uh, some other prospects from the Holinka Gretzky going on right now. And Julian McKenzie wrote an article about possible trade destinations for a Flames star. We will grill him accordingly coming up in about an hour's time. Um, I'll get to that after. Just pause. We'll, we'll, we'll pause on we'll the, pause the Flames on. discussion because I do want to get to today's Calgary Stampeders report as uh, the Stamps get ready for a big weekend tilt against the uh, Toronto Argos, who are only the best team in the CFL, and the Stampeders haven't been able to put a consistent game together this season. So what could possibly go wrong? Uh, but here is today's Stamps report. This, this is the Stamps report with Patrick Duma. Stampeders held their final walkthrough ahead of Friday's matchup with the undefeated Argonauts. Calgary coming into this matchup sitting fourth in the CFL's West Division with a 2-5 record, but have played this Toronto team well going 14-1 since 2014, including a 29-2 win last October at McMahon Stadium. And there's been a little bit of a bug going through the team the last couple of weeks. Coach Dave shed some light on the sickness that's been making its way through the team. Seems like there's been a bug going through the team for yeah. just a week and a half now. Do you feel like it's maybe gone through? Or? Uh, no, it just got me. So, uh, yeah, I'm the least important guy. No, it's a, it's a lungs, you know, that type of stuff. So, yeah, it does concern me because of it just keep keeping your wind and feeling like you can run and, and do that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, there's a ton of people in Calgary, too. I know it's just it's just unfortunate. And we got on that plane and we got our bodies run down a little bit. and. It, it, it's got us a bit, but our guys will be ready to go. Diedrich Mills did not practice on Wednesday because of the illness, but is listed as the starting running back for Friday night. Kadeem Carey is close, but he will miss a seventh straight game. The Argonauts defense is a group that leads the league in takeaways with a plus 16 turnover differential, 
and Coach Dickinson provides some words on his quarterback's progression and avoiding that turnover. Jake just, you know, he's, he's improving. He really is. He's making some good throws. He's moving around well in the pocket. He's got command of the huddle. Just he needs to make sure that we reserve the right to punt uh, if it's not there. And, and then, uh, you know, maybe the other thing for me would be uh, if, if it's not clean and he feels like he's broke the pocket, he has the right to, to run and get those four, five, six yards or more. Uh, and let's see how they play us. They might actually come down and, and, and take him out of the game and over blitz us. We'll see. But uh, it's kind of one of those things where we have to be better. Uh, but the main thing is take away that kind of catastrophic play that seems to kind of bite us when we look back at the game. Mayor's 11 interceptions are sure to be at the forefront of Stampeders fans' minds of late. Here's Jake on limiting those turnovers. Don't force it. Um, they'll make you pay for it. They don't let you get away with being late with the ball. Um, you know, so you got to be on time. You got to be in a, as much rhythm as you can, which is obviously tough against a team like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just just take what they give you. And Mayor's 11 picks are two more than the next set of quarterbacks. Both Taylor Cornelius and Bo Levi Mitchell have nine. A welcome sight in the defensive secondary is Trey Roberson, who missed the Montreal game. He'll be back at fieldside corner. Here's coach on what he's seeing in the secondary. Well, they're they're kind of interchangeable anyway. So uh, we. To be honest, they're, uh, they're talking it out. I, I don't have a big a preference. Um, the main thing is we decided to keep both of them at corner. Um, just that was where Mox had been doing some other things. And, and Nick Taylor's uh, kind of comfortable, most comfortable spot is field half. So, you know, you'll see Trey and, and Mox will be, uh, depending on who's out there in matchups, you'll see him on both sides. So how the secondary will line up from boundary to field side will have Jonathan Moxie at boundary corner, Kobe Williams at boundary half, Brandon Dozier at safety, then Nick Taylor in his more familiar spot at field halfback, and then Trey Roberson at field corner. So there's more versatility back there in that secondary. The next month of games is massive as the Stamps will see the top three teams in the league, including this Argos bunch twice. Here's quarterback Jake Mayer on the month ahead. Yeah, this is probably... Uh... Probably could be one of the more difficult stretches of, uh, of our season, and we know that. Uh, we knew that, you know, since the offseason. So um, it's here now, and uh, like you said, you take it one game at a time, and, uh, you know, the rest take care of itself. So I, uh, I don't even know what the order is after this. I just know we got Toronto tomorrow, and, and uh, we got to play our, our best game if we want a chance. And it all starts with Friday night against the Argonauts. Friday will also be Heritage Night at McMahon Stadium as we celebrate Heritage Day long weekend here in Alberta. The Stamps will welcome groups from around the world as a part of nightly festivities. Before kickoff, there will be a Heritage Night Market in the East Fan Zone, including food trucks. There will be a tent set up from a variety number of countries. There will also be a special ticket offer for new Canadians that includes a $10 ticket for kids and an opportunity to go on the field for pregame. That offer also gets you a chance to watch the halftime performance from the field. It's the Stamps and the Argonauts, and it goes down at 7 p.m. on Friday night from McMahon Stadium. With your Stamps report, I'm Patrick Dumas. Thank you, Patrick Dumas. Yes, it's a um, bit of a tough one for the Stamps coming up. Uh, if you're going to have some troubles with Saskatchewan and Ottawa and Montreal, Toronto's not the best team to really get that back on track, you know? Yeah, so here's what they're looking at. Week 9 this week, of course, hosting Toronto, 6-0. and Week 10, you're at BC, 6-1. and Week 11, you're back at home against Winnipeg, 5-2. and And then week 12, you're at Toronto, who again is 6-0. and And who knows what they run it up to by then. Yeah. Um, Jake Mayer, we heard, you take it one game at a time and the rest takes care of itself. 
Well, yes, but you need to take care of it because when you're yeah. sitting at two and five and you are facing the meat of your schedule up against the three best teams in the league, yeah, you've got to make sure you do something so you're not coming out of that stretch a two and nine team. I looked at the start of the stamp season like some college football teams where they'll schedule some of the like more cupcakey type games and then you get into conference play. Mm-hmm. The, the the first part of the season was supposed to be the like, let's figure things out, let's get things in a rhythm. If two and, and five is the dessert, man, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, and then once you get into this, it's like, yeah, that, that everything should be clicking. Um, it's not, and I do think they're in a great amount of trouble. Silver lining, they're 500 on the road. Oh, there you two. go. Um, no lining, they're, I don't even know. what's what. How do you say 0% just like that? Like Yeah. They're point zero 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 at home at zero and three. <laughs> Over, oh, oh, yeah. Over on the season. Yep. It's been, it's been so because it, it'll be one game. The defense plays really well, and then the offense can't do anything, and then the offense will be clicking, and the defense can't stop a quarterback who's making his second career start. Not to name specifics, Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, and then sometimes some other stuff will be getting going, and then Renee will miss a point after. Like it, it'll just be, it'll be so, everything all over the place from a team that has been so consistent for the last like ten years. It just, it has to be so frustrating for Dave Dickinson and company there. I just want to read the text that came in from Matt and Cochran. Losing close games in overtime, it is the Calgary sports team's way. It feels like it's the the whole, there's something in the water uh, type of a thing. We made those jokes about Edmonton for a while, but now it feels like it's starting to happen here. You can still make Elks jokes, though. That's true. Because they are still winless. Yeah, and haven't won at home since like 2019. Is it 19 or 18? Am I getting it wrong? I thought it was 19, but I might. I know. I know it's a pro sports record. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a record for futility. Look at that. Two futility futility bombs. See, I didn't have that one in uh, the back pocket this time around. I did the first time. I'm getting cocky with it now. October 2019. Okay. My bad. That's a long time. The entire world has changed since that time. Is that pre-COVID? That is. I don't even know what's pre and post. Well, I know it's post, obviously. But do you know the exact date of that? I do. What March thirteenth? Yeah. No, not of COVID. Of the the the, the last oh, win. October. He, he said it. Okay. Didn't he, he, say, said, did he, he said October twenty nineteen. So, oh, okay. He didn't specify a date. October twelfth, twenty nineteen. Okay, so they haven't won at home the entire time I've been married, which is coming up on four years now. Same day? Uh no, it was October fifth. Oh, so yeah, right there. <laughs> so you ruined an entire organization <laughs> yes, yes, by I saying did. I do. Yeah, yeah. That's a, like that's a. Thanos snap right there, but it's, it's what I do. I, I have very little control over things, but apparently one out of two Alberta CFL franchises, I, I just like have right there in the palm of my hand. But yeah, they've changed their name. Uh, the the entire world has shut down and reopened. It's been quite the time in between Edmonton victories at home. They haven't won at home since renaming to the Elks. Nope. Yeah, the Edmonton Elks have never won a home game in Edmonton Elks history. <laughs> Wow. Do you, I don't have an adjective for that one in my back pocket. No. Futility, I don't think, does it I, justice. I, ha- I have one, but I'm not allowed to say it until 9 p.m. on the radio. So I uh, well, we will leave that one alone. Uh, a lot of four-letter words have been said by many a golf fan, but this is definitely a golf experience you will absolutely enjoy. Calling all golf fans, don't miss your chance to play alongside a PGA Tour 
legend at the Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers. Head to rogers.com slash Shaw Charity Classic for your chance to win an opportunity for uh, the winner and one guest to play alongside a PGA Tour champion on Wednesday, August 16th or Thursday, August 17th. I feel like I could have ad-libbed some of this in the SEC Pro-Am at Canyon, uh, Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club here in Calgary, plus two admission tickets for the winner and one guest to attend a day of the winner's choosing of the 2023 Shaw Charity Classic at Kenya Meadows Golf and Country Club in Calgary. Contest closes August 10th at 11.59 p.m. So I'm pretty sure I'm not eligible to win that as far as I know, but you, you know what I'm eligible to win? Hmm. The Shaw Charity Classic Shootout at the Meadows Glow in the Dark Contest featuring local media members and athletes. This year, $15,000 will be donated to the participating charity of the winner's choice. We're talking names like Maddie Rose, Perry Bears, and Lisa Longball, Jake Bean, myself, and that dastardly Wes Gilbertson <laughs> Flames Talk fam member who on Friday, on Friday, threw down. It's a bracket system. Okay. He wants to face me in the first round. Laying down the gauntlet. Oh, yeah. Challenged me on air. Blindsided me with this. Didn't talk to me about it beforehand. So I've got that to contend with. The guy plays 400 rounds a year. But he's never made it out of the first round. I look forward to keeping that tradition alive. My question to you, Peter Klein. Okay. What should we put on the line? Oh, man. To put like, you on the spot now. Yeah, putting me on the spot here. Like, like is a case <sighs> of beer too simple? It, it feels like not enough. Not enough. Oh. No. Yeah, like it, it feels like there, there needs to be like at least somewhat of a social media admission that the other is the superior golfer. Oh, why would you say that? Actually, I, you know what? Maybe on air. Yeah, well, absolutely on air, like an on air verbal tongue lashing for sure. But well, like, what's so fun about that though is the last time we played, I beat him. Now, oh, there now, you go. now, you got now, the momentum. Well, now I was awarded a certain number of of strokes. Oh, <laughs> just to just to full disclosure, I would leave that part out next time. <laughs> wow, I, I didn't when I brought it up to him on air on Friday, and he didn't correct me, which I thought was admirable of him. Yes. Um, but I look forward to him having to say, and he has to agree to the terms. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this will get back to him soon. I'm sure a buddy's texting him as we speak Yeah, that I'm suggesting a social media admission and or an on-air admission and or certain beverages involved. Yes. Yeah. A, a certain number of a certain beverages involved. But yeah, I, I think bare minimum, there has to be a, a Twitter post uh, that says, I, Wes Gilbertson, do declare that uh, Aaron Vickers is a, a superior golfer or vice versa. I don't think he's game for it. No? No. Oh, wow. We'll find out. So we're questioning. We're, we're now questioning things. I'm not questioning too, his integrity on it. That's <laughs> no, 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 no. something you're doing. <laughs> he's a man of values and principles. Yes. And I'm not questioning integrity. And the odd shank. So <laughs> your hopes it comes in the first round of the, uh, the Meadows Glow in the Dark contest. That sounds like a lot of fun. Like Glow in the Dark being added to it sounds like that would be a ton of fun. I admit I've never participated, and if it's exactly what I'm thinking and it's pretty self-explanatory, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, that sounds so cool. Uh, a couple of texts here before we uh, keep things rolling here, um, and they're, I, I'm being extremely selfish here. Is Peter Klein back on the radio? I mean, li like literally right now I am. Uh, is PK back full-time? No, I am not. This is just here till the end of the week and then next Tuesday. And that's it. But that is specifically so I can just go see you next Tuesday. And that's all. Uh, but no, I'm not. Uh, is it after 9 p.m.? <laughs> I don't even think you can say that one after 9. Okay. All these uh, rules. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. We're so limited in what we can say. I actually wrote down a word I'm allowed to say, and I can't find it anymore. 
And I don't want to guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I can tell you that much. Yeah, Cam, you have the delay on, right? We we can just yeah. like rattle off. You can rattle off about six seconds worth of them. Just turn your see. mic off. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, we'll we'll be all right. Um. But no, I'm not back full time. Just here, just here, hanging out for uh, a couple of days. And off season is all obviously a, a bit of a tricky time in the old sports content creation world. And I thought the Flames would have helped us out a little more by this point. And when I've brought it up to a couple of other hosts, they've been like, oh, no, of course not. So I, I now bring it up to you, if nothing else, to validate my feelings. I thought that uh, by August the 3rd, we would have a little bit more clarity on anything with the Flames, aside from one Tyler Toffoli trade and an Austerly signing. And that's... Like, I, I thought we would have some form of direction on Lindholm, something with Hannafin, like just something a bit more concrete than, I don't know, we'll see. So was I expecting too much that something would be taken care of by now? Or are you as surprised as I am that nothing's happened? What's the standard answer? Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah. I would, uh, I'm yes and I'm no. How about that for the ultimate fence-sitting answer? I it's the most positive one I've got. So I wouldn't it. necessarily have thought that there would be an Elias Lindholm resolution, whether that's a trade or a contract extension, and it's been pretty quiet, all things considered, on that front. Noah Hannafin was a little more adamant in the direction that he plans to go in the future in suggesting that a well, long-term fit in Calgary probably isn't in the cards. So to a degree, I'm surprised something hasn't been resolved on that front. I fully don't expect anything to be quote unquote resolved on the Michael Backlund front. I think that's one you can go into the season with, with no mm -hmm. concern whatsoever, but I am surprised to a degree. We haven't seen a conclusion to the Noah Hannafin. I don't know. Is it a sweepstakes? I'm not going to call it a fiasco because no. it's been amicable. Uh, the situation. There you go. Um, I used air quotes that you clearly can't see over the radio waves. <laughs> um, and I just wonder if that, all this is a byproduct of the fact that probably 25 teams are up against it or over the cap at this point yep. with very little resolution in terms of, all right, how are we going to sneak under? And Noah Hannafin makes a very tidy salary in terms of um, output versus cost at under $5 million. He seems like a guy that shouldn't be as difficult to squeeze in. We're not talking about an Eric Carlson and uh, eight-digit contract. Eight digits? Yeah. Yep. Did the math quickly in my head. All those zeros. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of them. So I don't know if certain teams are waiting for dominoes to fall on Eric Carlson before turning to alternatives, but I would have thought of the three, I would have thought we would have gotten one resolution by Thursday, August 3rd. Yeah. I thought we would have had at least something, but the fact that there's been almost nothing all off season from the flames, minus again, a trade and a, a free agent signing, but I, I thought that there would be at least something. And I, I have said before, I don't think it's the worst thing with what Craig Conroy is, is trying to establish in Calgary, where, like, last year, we can all agree, pretty miserable miserable around here. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, it... Can confirm. Yeah. Seemed like a pretty not fun time. Bad vibes around the, the Calgary Flames for pretty much all of last season. I, I think it would make sense from a Craig Conroy standpoint to be like, look, I'm the most positive human being on the face of the earth. People seem to like Ryan Huska, a very sought-after dinner party guest. People like him. So let, let's see if we can have a more positive feel around this team, and maybe that will keep literally everyone from wanting to leave. I can see why the Flames would want to go that way. And then if it doesn't work, make your moves at the deadline and then just be gone with it. But to, to what you said, like 
Hannafin's on a very reasonable contract. I think for what you get from Lindholm as well. Oh, yeah. You, you, it's That's a value. very reasonable contract. Now, next year, probably not so much. But for for at least the next, uh, for at least this year, I think that this should, or th- these are moves that you, you could get quite a bit of value out of. So I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, at least one trigger has been pulled when it comes to those. Yeah, I just... And it's not even that we're hearing things. It's no. the other element. It's been it's been quite quiet. And as chatty as Craig Conroy can be at times, they're certainly not, at least unless I missed it, I did go camping for five days, but unless I missed it, there hasn't been a peep from the Calgary side lately as to what's going on with the three of those guys. Yeah. And in particular, all we've heard is we're going to be patient with Lindholm. We're going to be patient with Lindholm. We want him to make up his mind. We're going to give him all the time in the world. Well, we're sitting in August now, still yeah. talking about it. How much time are you willing to give before you need to make a decision? And is there an internal deadline that just hasn't leaked out that Flames need a decision from the Lindholm camp on X date, and then they'll know how to proceed accordingly? Is that it's date just, it's February? Just, is, is that date? <laughs> what's Google, what is the 2024 NHL trade deadline date? God, 2024 feels like a made-up year. But not for me, just because we've been doing a whole bunch of draft stuff. So now it's oh, 2024 guess, yeah. draft. Yeah. I mean, it still seems insane that, and we'll talk about it with Tony Ferrari in the next segment, but we're talking about kids born in 2006. Oh. If you want to, if you want to feel old. Yeah. Well, thank you. I welcome. appreciate that. Yes. I'm older than you. You are. Yeah. And Whoa, that was a quick yes. Well, you are <laughs> like that. That's not, I, I didn't have to think about it. I'm actually, I I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah, so you didn't know for a fact. No. I don't get a birthday card from you. <laughs> no, that's fair. You don't see me blowing out candles on a cake. I do not. You know, yeah, you're accurate. Set off a smoke alarm yeah. at this point. But yeah. hey, it's we just are you're, where so, we are. you're so worldly. I just assume that you're older than me. Um, but yeah, no, I that was a compliment. I <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, I I do I do feel great pain that some of these uh kids I own and actively still play video games that are older than them. Speaking of video games, uh, this texter, anybody who watches PK stream NHL 23 knows his patience level with decision making. Uh, I was very, I've been doing a uh, Calgary Flames rebuild on NHL 23 on twitch.tv slash primetime PK, cheap plug. And I, I, w- I was very patient, waited it all out, got a, a second round pick from Milan Lucic. Uh, that, that's how patient I was. Yeah, it's not the most realistic game, but I still was able to, to pull off some great moves. And right now we're we're still building chemistry, but my top line of uh, Connor Bedard, Patrice Bergeron, and Vlad Tarasenko are doing great things for the Calgary Flames. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, you have you have the number one pick in the twenty twenty three draft. I do, and a guy that's retired. Yes, you need veteran leadership around your young players, Aaron. I don't, I, I don't know what to say to that. I've just always really liked Vlad Tarasenko. Kids these days in their video games. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Um, so anyway, uh, long story short, I should be the general manager of the Calgary Flames is what we can establish from that. But uh, some people who know things a lot more than I do are coming up in the next hour of the show. Save your jokes. It is Tony Ferrari coming up next as we talk prospects. The uh, Holinka Gretzky tournament is coming on right now. I have several questions about that. Plus, we will look at the Flames uh, prospect pool as we may be seeing a few of them or a lot of them, depending on what direction the flames go. And then at 5:30, Julian McKenzie is coming on as we talk some more trades about the big names on the Calgary flames. So a lot of flames talk still to come as we continue into our number two of Sportsnet today. He's Aaron Vickers. I'm Peter Klein, and this is Sportsnet 960, the fan.